the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And I do want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to be with you. Trust you are well today um, and ready to talk, ready to engage yours truly you heard the announcer, Jesse Gistan. Um, not all of the stuff that was said I would totally agree with, but striving towards being, uh, being all of those things that um, a person of grace, a child of grace, a child of God, a servant of the Lord, a pastor, a father, a grandfather, and many other offices that I hold, I am hoping to one day manifest a full honorable disposition of those things to your edification and your joy as well. In this context of talk radio, it's you and me for two hours talking about those things that matter to you and to to me and to us out there, our community of believers. Uh, And I'm happy to be here. Happy, healthy, sound, clear-minded, clear-thinking Focusing continually on our New Year's endeavor, our New Year's theme for us at Grace Bible Church. And that is honor for all of you out there who are part of Grace Bible Church and our agenda to walk more honorably before God. First Peter 2, 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king is our marching orders um, for this year. And I'll tell you, unpacking the whole concept of honor has just been delightful to myself. So many synonyms and so many cognates to it that uh, the child of God must understand the uh, the benefit and the significance and the relevance of what Peter is saying and what Paul is saying and what Christ is saying. Paul said in Romans 13, around verse 6 or 7, that we are to give honor to whom honor is due. He was speaking a gospel ethic to the church in the first century, which lived in a culture of dishonor. I think you would agree with me that our world and our culture presently is dishonorable in many ways. Certainly, our culture is dishonorable when it comes to the highest priority of honor, and that is God. It is also dishonorable when it comes to the penultimate uh, object of honor or priority of honor, and that is God's word. It is therefore also dishonorable when it comes to the significance of the church of the living God that uh, faithfully stands on, witnesses to, bears record of, and defends that very word of that very God who has brought us all into existence. And thus we live in a context where Paul and and Peter as well knew that the church was not to strive to be significant or influential by the sword. The Lord Jesus said it through his servant John in Revelation chapter 13. If you live by the sword, you'll die by it. In other words, politics can never, ever be the scepter of strength for the church of the living God. It never has worked, 
nor will it ever work for the children of God in the midst of a broken world of human beings, fractured by sin and living in systems that are broken and drinking from cisterns that are broken, the principal ethic that we're called to um, execute and to walk in with regards to every station in life, every office in life, every system in life, every governmental structure that God set up is to be honorable about it. And uh, as we worked through honor a few weeks ago at Grace, the definition is clear, to hold in respect when you are a person of honor, you are a person who holds in respect, who esteem and honor uh, someone or something um, as well as yourself being that way. And God certainly holds his people in respect. He esteems them. He honors them for Christ's sake. It also not only means to hold in respect, this would apply to everyone with whom or every situation with whom you and I would bestow or acknowledge honor to hold in respect, but to confer distinction on, to express value, merit, worth towards. Honor is a bestowment, a deference, a conferring upon someone or something who is properly and rightly worthy of this reverence. And that's what God calls the believer to do, to be honorable men and people, men and women, Uh, be honorable individuals. And I've stated it this way, just in case you're interested in our thoughts around honor, because dishonor really, my brothers and sisters, is at the foundation of every bad decision we make, every bad choice we make, every bad event, every disruptive event, every hostile conflict, every uh, engagement of war, every uh, hostile uh, 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 verbal uh, uh, attack or engagement upon anyone or one p- upon you really is rooted in dishonor. When you take the scriptures and you work through the whole concept of honor in the scriptures, at the foundation of a lot of our problems socially and uh, practically and culturally, politically, etc., even religiously, uh, is dishonor. And uh, the Proverbs plainly lays out this dishonor, that shame will be the result of those who do not take heed, and um, honor is the result of those who pay heed to instruction. And so as sinners, it only follows that when we violate God's law to depart from his principles, abandon his ethics, that uh, we are going to operate out of principles of dishonor. And as I said, it, it means to hold in respect, to esteem and honor, to confer distinction or express value, merit, or worth. Honor is a bestowment. It is a conferring upon someone who is properly and rightly worthy of this reverence. It really is an act, threefold verb, hold, esteem, and to express. Hold, esteem, and to express. And God calls us to do that at the highest levels of relationships that we have with government. And he he would have us to do it at the most intimate levels of relationships that we would have within our own families. And certainly we are to hold in high honor Uh, those who are servants in our world, um, government officials, um, judiciaries, law enforcement, first responders, teachers, educators, doctors, lawyers, pastors, elders, all forms of servants, those who work in the field of charity. They are to be highly honored by us. We are to honor husbands and wives And children and children are to honor parents, honor your mother and your father, your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord has your God has given you. 
Uh, and this is uh, this is a promise that God bestows upon the young people who will benefit from um, the instruction and guidance and care of their parents, who are giving them honor by raising them up with all of the necessary tools and uh, resources by which they can be honorable people when they grow up. We're learning this in the book of Esther. Powerful, powerful series. If you really want to get a gospel picture of the book of Esther, a Christocentric, Christ-centered, uh, uh, theocentric understanding of that book, more than just historical lessons lessons and, and moral antidotes, go to our website, grace-bible.com, and listen to the series on Esther, and it will blow you away. Uh, the gospel is absolutely clear there. But the principles that I am talking to you about are also there, too, Esther was an orphan, lost her mother and her father, and her uncle raised her, Mordecai, and he was a great father to her, and her submission to him rendered her um, a child worthy of honor. And the next thing you know, she's the queen of the second greatest nation that God had raised up um, before he brought his son Jesus Christ into the world. She became a pivotal source of protection for the seed and uh, advancement of the cause of the gospel. And uh, history is filled with those kinds of examples. Now, one of our uh, proverbial verses that we use to to support First Peter chapter 2.17 is Proverbs 15, uh, 33. And it says, before honor is humility. Uh, and that passage actually is un- underscoring what might be very difficult for some of us. I've had a few calls from my brothers and sisters um, since we started this series. It's broken all of our hearts and made us all happy at the same time. Pastor, it is really hard, really hard to honor some people. And um, I get that. Uh, that's, that's a, that can be a difficulty. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. In other words... The pathway to honor is humility, as it was for Christ, who made himself of no reputation, um, even though he was in the form of God, existed from all eternity with the same substance as the Father, uh, being divine, being deity. He humbled himself and he became obedient, found in fashion as a man. He was a servant and humbled himself even to the death of the cross. Therefore, wherefore, God has highly what? Honored him. So that's the paradigm for the Christian. Humility that allows us to be instructed, that allows us also to be exalted. And the stages upward, ladies and gentlemen, are really phenomenal as well. And we're working through that in our studies as well. It's an honorable thing to be a human being. It's an honorable thing to be a woman, as we learned on Sunday. It's an honorable thing to be a man. It's an honorable thing to have a family. It's an honorable thing to be a parent. It's an honorable thing to be a child, a young son or daughter with parents, particularly parents who raise you up in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. Uh, it is an honorable thing to be called by God also to uh, to raise children and so on and so forth. It's an honorable thing for God to call you by his grace and make you a child of the living God and to bring you into his family through Jesus Christ. It is an honorable thing to be called an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. It is an honorable thing to be able to love men and women and give them the gospel. It's an honorable thing to be able to tell the truth as it is in Christ and suffer for Christ's sake as the apostles rejoiced exceedingly when they found themselves suffering for Christ's sake. You see what I'm getting at? But more to the point of Peter's admonition to walk in the imperative of 1 Peter 2.17, honor all men, Love the brotherhood. 
fear God and honor the king is the whole attitude and joy of um of of doing the gospel in a way that uh, that reflects the nature of God and the nature of Christ towards our fallen humanity. So that's what we're walking in today. We're working in rather to 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 be um, over the course of this year. And you might very well join us in that ethic. You'll hear a number of messages that will be coming forth over the next several um, weeks and months, maybe all year long, because um, as God guided us into the whole concept of honor. Uh, it just made a huge impact in our prism and biblical interpretation, like everything in the scriptures is about honor and dishonor. By the way, the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to call and chat with yours truly, um, got a couple things to say, but here's what I want to ask you in preparation for our conversation, just to kind of stimulate your thoughts around the subject of honor, being honorable and honoring those to whom honor is due. Um, what, may I ask, um, have been some of the things that in the course of the year 2017, you may have been dishonorable in? Where have you been dishonorable in your walk with God? Last year, and can you actually identify the impact of that neglect or disrespect? Let me say it again. Uh, this will be a good start. I'll share with you what I began to work through and see in my own life as I did some self reflection. What may I ask you um, were some of the things that you discovered that you were dishonorable in your walk with God last year in the year 2017? Now we're in the year 2018. What did you neglect? What did you fail to do? Who did you neglect? Who did you fail to give honor to and real respect to? And how did it impact uh, your life? That's a great question. Let's see if we can um, start working on uh, the spirit of God dealing with our hearts this year. So we're still in January. It's January 22nd, 2018. We, we're just starting, ladies and gentlemen. I'm hoping that we will have a good new year together in terms of growth in Christ. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2, as you know. Um, and so the question is, where have you been dishonorable in your walk with God last year? And can you actually identify the impact of that neglect and disrespect? Because it's very clear that there are many pockets in our life as Christians whereby we are dishonorable. And when we can quickly assess them and see them for what they are, by the grace of God, we can begin to do what David said in the Psalms. I thought on my ways. I turned my feet unto your testimonies. That is, I began to look at and walk in your take your testimonies I made haste, as it were, and then I began to walk and keep your precepts. It's Psalm 119, around verse 55 or so. I thought on my ways, turned my feet unto, my, unto your testimonies. I examined the way I was walking. That's what he meant by turning his feet. I examined the way I was walking in light of your word, and I found myself hurrying to ask you for forgiveness and grace to come up out of those bad practices. That's what I'm talking about. You and I have been called to honor uh, we've been called to think honorably. We have been called to um, speak honorably. And we have been called to act honorably. And certainly we want to do that since God has left us here. So here's the question as I go prepare for a break on the Monday edition of Lifeline, your friend, your pastor, um, your your colleague, uh, uh, whoever, whoever I may be to you today. The question is, where have you been dishonorable in your walk with God last year? 
And can you actually identify the impact of that neglect or disrespect? Let's talk about it. Your confession and my confession, our yada, our homologeo, will help others. Why? Because as we confess our faults one to another, the body of Christ is healed. Why? It strengthens people to reflect, affirm with the amen, and then also be resolved to walk in right ways as well. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number, again, here to reach me is one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. The time is 524 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I am back. The number is one one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Every now and then I forget I've got a thousand numbers in my head. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. All the lines are open if you want to call in and chat with me. Got a question, Bible question, uh, got an issue, got a situation. <laughs> Love to talk to you about that as well. Um, but certainly I am uh, trying to spur on some conversation around uh, being more honorable this year and what may have been some lacking on all of our parts last year. So give me a call. Let me know what you're thinking, what you're struggling, what area of your soul and walk did the Spirit of God cast the light on as you heard me in our opening monologue, what what area? Don't be afraid. There's healing in uh, confession and talking things through when you definitely want the blessings of the Lord. What areas could you do better this year and be more honorable towards? Because there are a lot of things that God lays before us as his people to walk in. And there can be a few areas. Um, I have laid out for our congregation at Grace a whole list of uh, topics and uh, messages that will be corresponding with this theme over the course of the year, I'll lay out a few for you. And you can ask yourself, honorable or dishonorable? Um, we are dealing with a monarchical model of government in the scriptures, and that's the only model that God deals with uh, since he is a king and his son is a co-regent with him. And the church is a queen being the bride of Christ and the children of that family is a royal family. So there are no other governmental models that God acknowledges other than a monarchy. Uh, and that speaks to the issue of the dignity and character of the king. The dignity and character of the queen, which would be represented as husbands and wives, as I shared with our congregation. Why a monarchy? Because a monarchy is a family. A monarchy is a family. And the family model underscores and demonstrates that intimacy between leadership and the citizenry bearing the same fundamental uh, uh, framework of existence in the intimacy of a husband and a wife and children and children towards their parents so that the citizenry and the government reflect one another. So it is with God and his kingdom. God is not some uh, monad. God is not some bizarre entity. He's not some abstract ruler. He's not an alien or a foreigner. The king of his kingdom is like unto his citizens or his citizens like unto him via the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ. God created us in his image and in his likeness so that we know something of God as we know something of ourselves. And in fact, we cannot know ourselves unless we know God. You would agree with that. The only way we can rightly define ourselves is in terms of knowing the God that created us. And what an honor to be created in his image and to walk in that framework of uh, government at the intimate level of family. 
So we're talking about what it means to be a king, what it means to be called as a queen. Powerful message. Would in, definitely enjoy you to listen to it. And our next message will be on what, is, what it is to be called as a servant, the honor of being a servant. Because in the book of Esther, the central servant that God lifts up is Esther's uncle, Mordecai. And then we're going to be talking about what it means to be a saint. God calls all of his people saints, the honor of being a saint. And we're going to also be dealing with the first Adam and and how he has been so misconstrued and misrepresented, even in the church, in terms of his dignity and his decision making that led to the whole redemptive process. We're going to deliver Adam from the dishonorable interpretations that have uh, fallen out um, over the many, many years. We're going to deal with womanhood, manhood. Uh, we're going to deal with children and families might ask the question in any of these areas. Have you been uh, dishonorable and you want to do a better job at, at uh, relating to your children or relating to your parents or relating to your spouse? Is that possible? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be dealing with the home in general. Why the Bible lays out the home as the center of education, the place of correction and the place of comfort. The place of witness and testimony relative to the grace of God in each home. We're going to be dealing with marriage. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled. And again, this is why we say our culture is going to hell in a handbasket because of its assault against the biblical concept of marriage. We're going to be talking about the soul. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Dishonor to the soul is a dreadful, dreadful consequence. Here's another one. We're going to be talking about the honor of your mind. What it means to honor your mind. How we think, how we reflect, how we process, how we adduce, how we deduce, how we draw conclusions, how we draw inferences, how we respond to what we think about process, et cetera, et cetera. As the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and and gird up the loins of your mind. That's the imperative. Strengthen your mind so that you can think right thoughts. That's an honorable thing. You know, it's a battle keeping your mind straight, isn't it? Real battle. We're going to be dealing with the heart because the mind and the heart are metaphorically, in terms of the analogy of Scripture, distinct. The heart is the center and the hub. The mind is the intelligentsia, but the heart carries also the volition and the emotions. And if one loses a sense of distinction between the volition, emotions, and intellect, then one can become an egghead on one hand and then an emotional waste basket on the other. So guarding our heart is critical. Did you have any problems last year with guarding your heart? As we deal with our, um, our uh, rules of engagement this year. Um, I'll be targeting our younger uh, married couples and the couples that want to be married and talking to them about um, guarding the heart. Emotional purity is kind of the, one of the principles we'll be dealing with. Got an excellent book on that. I'm extracting principles there because emotional purity is the error that a lot of people make in relationships. They may not actually be engaging in sex, but emotional impurity can be an actual error in which they are falling into where they're giving themselves over in ways that only are designed to be given over to the spouse. Yeah, I know that was new for you, but that's my point. We have to learn how to honor the whole of our being, our heart, our volition, our mind, so as not to be sinning against God. You remember what the psalmist said. He plainly said it, as well as Job, covenant with my eyes and my heart wandering. As Solomon said, it better is the wandering of the eye 
because it's going to see what it sees, than the wandering of the desires of the heart. We have to be careful, as our master said in Matthew 5. The heart can actually kill. The emotions can kill. The emotions can commit adultery. The emotions can defile the inner man if we don't rein them in. Does that make sense? All right. I'm going to take a break again. one 888 one No callers. I don't mind preaching to you. I just came from Atlanta on a um, <clears throat> conference mission uh, with several of our members from the church, and we were in a conference, and it was about discipleship. Very good. And uh, <laughs> I'm stoked up for many reasons, most of all being back on the terra firma in California uh, <laughs> in relationship to the hazardous cold and snow that we had to deal with getting there. I'll talk about that when I come back from the break. But again... Uh, the lines are all open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's get healed. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right. The time is five thirty seven on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to call in and uh, ask a question or um, respond to my proposal, uh, we are talking about honor. Learning to be honorable people, um, thinking honorably, speaking honorably, and acting honorably as children of the king. And I share with you a a list of things for which uh, we will be focusing on in terms of honor for this year in order to do a better job of honoring our time. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 5? Redeem the time for the days are evil. That's an area of honor for me that I want to do a better job in by way of confession. I share it with you that I would confess some things to you. Uh, relative to my own struggles and challenges, uh, when I reflect upon uh, last year, the year 2017, um, obviously, you know, we wish we could do better in everything, but God doesn't expect us to try to do better in everything. He does expect us to begin the process of self-reflection and looking in areas of our lives, pockets, holes, that uh, he prioritizes and he has compelled you and I to prioritize and we can begin there to start doing better. So uh, I want to honor uh, more uh, precise prayer time with God relative to family members and those that are nearest and dear to me. Uh, I want to be more specific about prayers with regards to their spiritual situation, more intentional uh, in dialogue with them, with them, families and, and friends who I know happen to be in uh, precariously spiritual states of being. You know what I mean? Like we can be going about our day and our day is fine. That's our assignment. God has called us to uh, live and make a living and provide for our families, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I work almost seven days a week. That's just the nature of my my calling. Um, But I have to strategically find times to engage with people. Um, and, And sometimes that's difficult. Um, But what I can do um, is first and foremost in my prayer time, not be so perfunctory. Uh, be committed to uh, calling upon God in the area of specific prayer needs for people that I know who are struggling and especially family members. And then when those opportunities should make themselves available, and then I should also press into them, seek to be more intentional in my engagement with them uh, on, on a spiritual level, you know, in my dialogue with them, look for doors to open so that, um, 
I can insert real spiritual uh, substance and and, uh, and and information and and and, and points of reference to maybe stimulate uh, a conversation on their part. If in fact I know that they are struggling spiritually. You know how when you have that time with friends and family members, uh, you forget that this might be an an assignment and you go head on and it comes and it goes. And, you know, thank thank God you didn't get into any major conflict. uh, If you have family members like that, I have a few Um, and you're glad to have gone away without any incident. But really, did you go away spurring in their thoughts something about eternity or about God? Or about truth, or about walking with God. Folks, we have to be intentional about that. We have to honor them and honor their soul and honor their destiny enough to be intentional about that. We have to honor God in that regard because that's what we should be doing, sanctifying the Lord God in our heart and always being ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that's within us. And to do that, we have to be poised to speak into their lives. Don't you want to be able to do that better this year? Um, other areas that I, I want to be able to uh, engage in is uh, maybe areas of um, spending um, more critical time making sure um, that my thinking is right uh, relative to all of the missional objectives that God is is calling us to as believers in me uh, specifically. So I'm asking the Lord to ratchet me down, tighten me down, tighten my hatches down. Help me to be intentional. Help me to be thoughtful. Help me to be prudent. Help me to be um, concise. Help me to be clear, crystal clear, um, so that uh, I'm not ambiguous um, or cloudy or um, obscure in my motion, my uh, my um, my uh, motives, or in my uh, in my manners. That's what I'm, I'm asking God to help me do. Want to see some impact? Not not just for me. That certainly that would be true, but just in relationships in general. Uh, to be honorable is to be thoughtful. That's what I want to do. When you think about it, there's so many people in the world that need Christ. They're they're hurting. There's a hurt world out there. There's a troubled world out there. Now, um, again, the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. All the lines are open. Um, what about you? What what's going on this year that uh, you want to resolve to uh, walk in a more honorable way? Um, that would be uh, something that you know you need to begin to do. Things that you need to change and work on. Um, when we talk about honor, we're talking about a person who is acting in honor. I say that the act of honor is a virtue itself. Um, in other words, and I, I've been thinking about this a while. As human beings, we are not naturally honorable. As human beings, we are not naturally honorable. We're dishonorable by nature. Have you, have you thought about that? Have you, have you recognized that? Um, and so when God calls us to the behavior of honor, when he says as the first uh, imperative is in First Peter 2, 17, honor all men, that almost seems like an impossible task. It's almost it's almost uh, counterintuitive to our nature. Honor all men. How do you do that? Well, that's what I mean. So by nature, we are selfish and by nature, we are self-centered and by nature, we operate out of spiritual vacuums because the act of honoring is a virtue that actually requires um, a resource that you have to actually avail yourself to continually. Uh, The way I put it is that the act of honoring is a virtue itself. Um, Honorable people are the only ones that can show or render honor to others. 
Have you noticed that when you meet people who render honor, who know how to speak well of and shape the tone and make expressions about things in a fashion that is honorable, you know it because the tenor of their words are studied and the substance of their words are um, are pleasing to the soul. They may also be curious to one who is used to the gutter gossip and the gutter talk and the gutter um, reaction, but the act of honoring is a virtue itself. When you meet an honorable person, like Proverbs 31 speaks of the honorable wife, um, the law of kindness is in her tongue, and she knows how to speak to the honor and benefit of others. I say that the act of honoring is a virtue in itself because it's a position of strength. When you're an honorable acting person, you are operating from a position of strength, a position of strength. You have the resource to actually uh, show honor. Remember what I said? Honor is uh, what you hold to. Honor is what you esteem. And then honor is what you express. It's actually a giveaway verb. It's something you are giving away. When you honor others, you are giving away. You're not you're not taking. You're giving. You're giving. And to give presumes you have a resource of grace, a resource of blessing, a resource of fullness by which you can be that way. So I say the act of honoring is a verb virtue itself in three categories. It's a position of strength. It's a privilege of opportunity. So here's the, here's the thing you might know. A dishonorable person does not see opportunities to honor. They only see opportunities to dishonor. And an honorable person will see that this is a situation that is not only honorable, but is to be honored. It is to be held up. It is to be affirmed and conferred upon and expressed that way. You would do that as 21st century parents with your children when they do something well. You honor them by verbalizing good job, right? Well, that's in a simplistic way what one should be doing with virtually everything that Philippians chapter 4 around verse 8 plainly says whatsoever is good whatsoever is honest whatsoever is of a good report whatever whatsoever is pure uh, those things are to be not only thought upon but to be affirmed as good things that's one of the problems in our culture we don't have that so the act of honoring is virtue in itself because it's a position of strength dishonorable people operate from a position of weakness You'll see when people are complaining and people are um, indicting and people are uh, accusing and when people are uh, irrationally judging, they're operating from a position of weakness, not from a position of strength. A position of strength is a position of what? Faith. The next one is the privilege of opportunity. I have discovered that when I am thinking in a biblically optimistic way, a biblically, biblically appropriate way, opportunities are given. Opportunities are given to demonstrate the privilege of honoring someone. And then again, the final one before I go to the break is the practice of appreciation. Now watch this. The person that acts honorably is the person who is operating from a position of strength. He or she or they are drinking from the well of grace. The spirit of Christ is operating in their life. Their measure of faith is full. It's working on the basis of love and they are communicating out of an overflow because not only are they enjoying the privileged honor of being children of God and enjoying the spirit's presence in their life, but it is a privilege to them, not, not a drudgery or as it were a mandate, but a privilege to see the opportunity. Not just um, know that it's to be done, but to see it, to see an opportunity to um, to practice 
the act of appreciation by expressing honor towards someone. That's what honor really is. That's why we got to work at it, because it's not natural to some of us. Some of us are way outside of an honorable um, position. And so our mouths do not benefit in that regard. I've got more to say. Got one, three lines open now. one 367 5329 1-888-367-5329. Love to hear from you. Going to take a break and then I'll take your phone calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. The time 552 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open. one 888 Three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. The proverb tells us in Proverbs chapter twenty seven verse eighteen: Whosoever keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. So he that waiteth on his master shall be, what's the word, honored. Uh, What does it mean to keep the fig tree and eat the fruit thereof? It it means to hold to the promises of God. The fig tree in the scriptures is one of those eschatological promises. Every man under his fig tree and under his vine, when he resides in the kingdom of God, in the peace that's in Christ on the grounds of his righteousness, uh, the fig tree and the vine tree um, were the trees in Palestine that the Israelites were promised when they entered into the promised land. And to keep it is to till it, to guard it, to make sure that it's there to provide for you what is needed. So is he that waits on his master. And so uh, one of the reasons why I'm pressing home this conversation is because waiting on the master does not mean standing around. It does not mean being listless and aimless. In fact, if you're a professing Christian and you are standing around, aimless and listless and not doing anything, you don't want to stand before the master. You you don't want to do that. The scriptures are, are clear. Idleness is not the call of the believer. Waiting is the same as serving. Like the waiter at a table, the waiter waits on you to serve you, to feed you, to do whatever you want that waiter to do. So it is with God. We wait on God. That is, we wait to serve him. We wait for assignments. We wait for missions. We wait for purposes. We wait for the Lord to do in our lives what he wants to do. And the scripture says, the one that waits on his master shall be honored. May the Lord grant us all that grace. I've got two lines open, one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. We've got much more to talk about in the second hour. We really do, but it will all be centered around this uh, fertile thought that we're working through. Let me go to line number one and talk with Deb in Oakland first. Deborah, how are you today? I'm fine, Pastor. How are you? Great. What's your thoughts? I just I felt compelled to call in as I heard you you speaking because I am just so so grateful um, for the thing that we have this year. Mm-hmm. Um, honoring all men, loving saints, fearing God, and honoring the King. Um, I've just seen that in such a different light. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned my scripture earlier that I'm trying to really um, hold close to my heart, which is Philippians 4 and 8. <clears throat> because earlier, uh, last year, I think it was last year, you and I spoke about some things, and it just really came home to me my thinking. And, you know, if somebody doesn't point it out to you, sometimes you you don't really recognize how you process things sure. and how you see things. And so I, I'm just really grateful that you are a man 
uh, after God's own heart, but a man that is not afraid to tell us the truth. And I'm so excited about what God is doing in my own life. Um, and I'm just praying daily that my thoughts line up with his will because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we kind of briefly spoke about this the other night at prayer. You know, the, the thought process can mess you up really bad. Absolutely. And so I'm just excited to have it pointed out in a way that's clear. And God has um, really made it resonate with my heart. And, so, and I'm just I'm thankful. So, I, I just really called to say thank you. Yeah. So let me ask a question. I'm going to let you go because I got another brother on the line who wants to do something of the same nature. So have, did this theme, once um, it was um, given to us, did it actually uh, do something in terms of the posture of your heart and soul to be ready actually to deal with everything that's necessary to bring about um, what 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 God is calling us to being honorable thinking, honorable speaking, and honorable peeping, honorable uh, acting people is are you saying that um, you're ready for that? This is something you're ready for. This is something you know uh, you need to happen in our life because um, uh, our passivity, our kind of just putting it on cruise control, doesn't get it. Absolutely, because one of the things that became clear in that is that all of us are made in the image of God. Right. And so mm-hmm. when we fail to honor one another, we're failing to honor God. Agreed. And, mm-hmm. and that came very, very clear to me. And it doesn't matter who the person is or what, whatever they're, they're involved in, what, whatever the, the issue is, this person is the Imago Dei. Yeah. And, and I, as a believer have to love God enough to say, God, this is this is your creation. Yeah. How dare I? And I have to be able to even do that with myself. Right. You know, so yes, it's come home real clear to me. So I'm I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm a work in progress. It's called a whip. It's called a whip. We, <laughs> yes, we, exactly. we, we understand what it is. Lord willing, I'll see you yeah. tomorrow night. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's go to line number two and talk with my other longtime brother from another mother, Lamont in San Lorenzo. Hey, Bo. Hey, how you doing, Pastor? I'm great. What's going? I hear a dog in the background. Uh, yeah. See, I, I uh, I'm trying to find a quiet spot. Um, I'm outside because the reception is kind of bad. Uh, yeah, you sound good. good. You're clear. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, I I was compelled just like the sister ahead. Um, your lines were open for a minute. I was driving home from work. And um, so, but no, I, I find it is a blessed uh, occasion to focus on the subject that uh, you started by God assigning you concerning honor mm-hmm. and its definitions and everything. So, um, no, I just, uh, I, I'm, this is the first time, of course, that I called mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited. And, um, but it's like honor, it's very similar to reward when you, uh, we're drawing out uh, the rewards of heaven for the believer. True, and you know, you know that that's actually, you know, the ultimate honor. You know, but that's actually a, a, a synonymous term. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of like a, a straight line that God is leading you to talk about. And so it's it's uh, an occasion to you know appreciate. 
Now, uh, now develop like something because I know your mind, your mind, you're part of our, our men's group and you know how we think, you know, we, 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 we are expository thinkers, right? Yes, sir. Right. So, so, so tell me what you're thinking. What, what have you been thinking around it? Because I know you're, you're just like Deb, I, you know, there are lots of us at Grace that, that love to think. I mean, that's our salvation in a lot of ways um, uh, because God has renewed our minds. So we are willing to engage actively in the process of discernment, analysis, discrimination, uh, uh, deletion, uh, insertion, you know, the whole process because transformation only comes by that intentional uh, process of transformation by wording and foolishness out. So for you, how have you been able to take that concept of honor and own it uh, on, on a re- on a redemptive level and, and on a level of, of uh, meditation? Um, you know, really, I would say it like this, concentrating and staying on my invisible and watching how God makes me apparent when I'm in uh, a community, a church community, mm-hmm. and, you know, staying focused in on how I am when I'm by myself, uh, when, I'm, when I'm amongst those who do not know me. Right. Um, and, um, and then seeing how God, and, and actually by God's mercies, I perceive I've been hearing from him, of course, not audibly, but knowing... Sure when he's telling me to do this and not do that or bro, this is the way to go. And, you know, and so he's been by me hearing his communication, it strengthens and elevates the quality of my thoughts because I can discern what's a good thought as opposed to a bad thought. Mm -hmm. What's a good communication to me Mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, an evil communication to Mm -hmm. me. Um, And then also uh, what I practiced yesterday at a at a ministry, um, giving an answer in the things that I speak to individuals, and then drawing a question and then getting an answer. For example, mm-hmm. um, in the garden when God made man, basically God told him the answer. He told him that you know of the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree you know the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And he gave him an answer. And the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Yes, sir. And then long came a question from an evil thought or the evil one. Yeah. You know, yeah. did not God, uh, did God not allow you to eat all of the trees? That's not a direct quote. And so then when sin fell upon them by them being enticed by uh, Satan, then again, there came an answer, yes, and the answer confirmed what God had spoken yes, because there was evidence of a death to get them clothed. Yes, sir. So it's answer, death, answer, answer. question, answer. So, yeah. you know, it, it kind of makes things clear for one who wants to hear, who, want, who wants the truth. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of been my meditation. And, you know, there's a particular word that actually in its definition, speaks to um, honor and dishonor in their own particular uh, respects out of the Scriptures. And um, I'm kind of working on that, so I don't want to bring that up. But um, Is it a word? So, uh, is it a literal word, or are you just talking about a, a, a proclamation? No, it is a word, a five-letter word. Okay, so you're saying that um, the, dishonor, the, the honor-dishonor principle uh, pivots on a particular word. 
a particular word. Yeah, looking forward to it. See, now that's honoring scripture first uh, that you're talking about. First of all, what you're talking about before we go to the break, which I love because that's, you know, there's uh, the, the thoughts of the righteous tendeth to life. You know yes. that. The yes, thoughts of the righteous tendeth to life. That's God's goodness to us. You know that. That's that's he wants us to think. The thoughts of the righteous tendeth to life. And 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 so when we're honoring God's word, um, what he allows is the cultivation and 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 produce of, of revelation uh specific to what you and I know is the gospel paradigm, uh and, and it allows us to see uh God's glory in a particular uh passage of scripture. And sometimes a word will actually serve as a pivot for the theses and antithesis of a thing. I already know that as a principle that you're gonna find words that will will establish that pivot. All right, on is what we are seeking to become, think, and say uh, as those who are honored in Christ. But there is the inevitable antithesis of which we are to be honorable enough to be aware of, right? Yes. Yeah, because that's just what you quoted in Genesis chapter uh, 2, verse 17, that manifested itself in Genesis 3, verse 7 and 8. And, and God had given the answer. Here comes the question. Here comes the answer. That's what this whole thing is all about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Blessings, brother. Blessings. Call (laughs) any (laughs) time. I got to take a break. All the lines are open. 1-888-367-5329. 1-888-367-5329. In fact, both answers that Lamont was referring to can be found on a tree in Golgotha. Yeah. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Good and evil hanging right there in the person of Christ on the behalf of God's people, those who have uh, rendered uh, an answer of rebellion and have had given to them uh, in God's mercy both justice and righteousness, honor and dishonor right there at the cross. Cursed is the man that hangs upon the tree, but without that tree and that man, you and I would know nothing of honor. Is that a revelation? All right, I'm going to take a break. Three lines are open, one 888 That's what Paul meant when he says, I am determined to know nothing among you but Christ and him are crucified. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 